welcome to the Spark Podcast, a podcast for life science leaders on a course to reach the next frontier in drug discovery. My name is Kristen Stalkup. I am your host of the podcast. Along with our other hosts, Dirk Arts and Andy Lippitz, we invite you to join us in thought-provoking conversations with evolutionary life science leaders about what it takes to spark change and how we can lean in right now. everyone. Welcome to the Spark Podcast, where we have meaningful conversations with life science industry leaders who are dedicated to igniting change across the healthcare continuum. My name is Kristen Stalkup, and I'll be your host for today. Today's guest started her career in 2014 as a clinical trial assistant, so she's well aware of the nitty-gritty of clinical research processes. And having an educational background in dentistry, she finds fulfillment in being the clinical research field of the dental med tech industry. So I'd like to welcome our guest for today's episode, Alina Goligan, Associate Clinical Research Manager at Noble BioCare. Welcome, Alina. Hello, Kristen. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for the invitation to the podcast and as well for the very nice introduction. It's great to have you on. So I guess to, to start, Alina, can you can you tell our audience a little bit more about you, your journey in clinical research, and maybe a little bit also about your company? Of course. As you briefly mentioned, I started my career back in 2014 in the pharmaceuticals industry. My first role in the research project was that of a clinical trial assistant. And after a few months, I transitioned to the monitor role, what we call it in our inside world, uh, CRA which of course offered me a broader perspective on how to report myself to the data collected and to the relationship with the site. And after three years of activating in the pharmaceutical industry as a CRA, I made a career change and I switched to the medical device industry. Also as a CRA at that time, that was in 2017. And after that, I transitioned to the clinical research manager role which of course, together with new responsibilities, offer me a new perspective on how to design and conduct the clinical study from the beginning to the end, and also uh, taking into consideration the possible challenges and risks that come along that you have to plan for and mitigate. Yes, I have eight years of experience in clinical research in both pharmaceuticals and uh, medical device, which I have to say helped me a lot because I could compare, I could bring in the medical device field part of my knowledge, but I also had to start from zero and relearn some things because the products are completely different. The way they are manufactured is completely different. Mm -hmm. So I also had to navigate into this, mm -hmm. uh, this new terminology, into this, uh, into this new world. Yeah, that's, that's great, Alina. I like your experience as a monitor and a clinical research associate positions because like you're right there in the middle of everything. You kind of see all sides of the clinical research, including what's happening at the site and are very close to what's happening with the patients as well. So I think that's, I have a similar background and I think it's invaluable experience, I would say. What do you think since you're working this every day. What is the biggest challenge that you see in the industry? That's a very interesting question. I would somehow compartmentalize my answer into two components. For the outside world, I would say that the biggest challenge is awareness of clinical trials to the population. Bringing clinical trials 
closer to the large majority of the population, especially to the people who are outside of the medical field or have, let's say, auxiliary knowledge of the medical field. And um, there are many, uh, many initiatives to bring the information um, more approachable, but there are still many steps to be to be followed. Um, so this is from the outside perspective and uh, also offer uh, people the possibility to have a, a correct understanding about what a clinical trial is. Because even now, sometimes I'm faced with specific questions like, oh, so clinical trial is something like an experiment. So you are making tests. And then, you know, I realize that despite all the progress that is being done in the medical field, in, in, the, in, the, in medicine altogether, and um, in our industry um, specifically, still the information that is sent outside and how it is perceived, we have a lot of work to do in this area. From the inside world, I would say that the big challenge is to eliminate as much as possible the redundant work, the redundant tasks, and in the same time, ensure complete data quality and know how to mitigate the risks. We live in the era of technology and we are discussing and reading every day about uh, decentralized approach in conducting a clinical trial. But the more that we try to incorporate technology and more platforms and we try to centralize everything in one technological ecosystem, along the way, we see risks that we could not foresee at the very beginning. And then in the end, this impacts uh, what I have seen so far. It, uh, it can have a great impact on the quality of data. And this is an area where we have to, to focus our interest. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Technology can make things more streamlined and more efficient and raise the quality as well. I also think, and I'm curious for your opinion, that technology can help us uh, reach some of the participants or patients and also some investigators that may not normally have been a part of clinical research. And I think a big push for that is within decentralized trials and decentralizing even just part of the trial. In your experience, what do you think of the decentralized trial? I know it's kind of a, like a buzzword like right now in the last couple of years. I'm happy to develop more on my point of view, but before going more into details, maybe I should start with a disclaimer that all the thoughts and opinions that I will share today, they represent strictly my personal perspective on the process. They do not necessarily reflect the beliefs of my employer or its affiliates. It's just personal feedback I'm sharing with you today. Going back to the topic that you addressed of decentralized approach in conducting a clinical trial. This is not necessarily something new. I think it started 15 years ago or maybe even longer in the industry. And if I recall correctly, the first fully remote trial was published. So the results were published somewhere around 2011. It's just the industry did not give such a big focus on it. And then it shifted during the last two and a half years when the pandemic hit really hard on us. And we all had to switch the way we do things, the way we work things, the way we process things. And technology was here at hand. And then this is the new hive now, you know, the decentralized approach. In my opinion, it's very important to make a difference because under this umbrella of decentralized approach, we can have either fully remote studies, entirely web-based, when there is no connection between the site and the patient. And this is an approach which, in my opinion, is not feasible in all the therapeutic areas of medicine. And I can just give, you know, a few examples like let's say psychiatry or the patients, of course, depending on the severity of, of the medical diagnostic, some of them can already be institutionalized. They're already in an unit of care. Another example, you know, like I could go on with hematology, oncology, cell therapy. These diagnostics, they require very complex procedures. So from the very beginning, from screening and going on 
with a medication administration, patient monitoring, safety, biological samples collection. As a former clinician and as a clinical research professional, I cannot envision at the moment how a fully remote clinical trial can be conducted in these areas. And the second category, which I fully support, and here I think is where we should really focus our attention in the next years and invest a lot of resources, is that of a hybrid clinical trial, where we try to limit the number of the visits that the patient has at the site to the mandatory visits that have to be performed in a unit of care and incorporate as much as possible remote activities, digital activities, like, for example, electronic informed consent. Once the patient came at the site and was informed about the possibility to join a clinical trial and the doctor made sure he understood he or she, so the patient understood everything, all the related information to the trial, giving patients some time to read the informed consent and offering an electronic signature and going on with electronic patient outcome, what you called PROM, clinical assessments that can be performed um, remotely, like, for example, simple assessments like um, blood pressure or pulse or weight or things that can be really done remotely. This is where I would really focus, or I think the industry should focus the attention going, going forward. I want to unpack that a little bit because you said you hit on a lot of really good points. The first is like for those, I agree that there's some indications that, like you mentioned, hematology that don't lend themselves well to not having a site at all, right? And because those patients, even for their standard of care, need to be going in and visiting a physician. But at the same time, we can, like you said, make them hybrid trials where some of those assessments can be done remotely. I think then, though, we still have that problem, right, of reaching patients in maybe different countries or different regions. I wonder if, do you have any thoughts on, I think we would have to reach those investigators who would then bring in more of those patients. So any thought about how we can do that, like potentially using technology or otherwise? That's a very good question. And I remember my first clinical trials when I was a CRA and I had some of these procedures done remotely. It's very important for the sponsor and for the CRO to understand and to remain flexible that even if we try to incorporate as much as possible remote activities and technology, we need to understand that in a clinical trial, we address a very large set of the population. So we have a very wide age group, not all the people, especially when they have such a severe diagnostic and they are under treatment. Not everybody is really willing to learn to use a new device. Not everybody, I know that, you know, for the new generation listening to me talking would say that in 2022, we should not have this discussion. But sometimes the things look very nice on paper or in an Excel sheet. And when you go on the field as a monitor to, to check everything, that you have a reality check and then you have a reality hit and you realize that there are still areas in the world. So you are talking worldwide. There are still countries underdeveloped or regions within a country where having a Wi-Fi connection is not something at hand as we have it nowadays, where remembering to charge a device, remembering to connect to internet, remember to select the correct visit assessment, remember that you miss probably an appointment and you have to go to the next one. These are not tasks that go so easy, that are so easily performed by all the patients. So I think that the direction that we have to take forward is not to give up 
and remove the technology, but invest a lot of resources in training the site, in training the patient, in informing beforehand. There are so many clinical trials where the protocol or documents aside the protocol even mention and allow for the patient to be accompanied by a family member who can explain how to use this device. This is just an example that I can give regarding, you know, very basic things that when you want to design a clinical site, you have so many, you think of all the complex things and these are just easy Easy mm-hmm. things that, you know, you just discover along the way. And people on the field, the CRAs are the ones who actually uh, spot these things. So that's a very good point that you, that you addressed. Access mm-hmm. to the internet and the willingness to learn something new and the possibility to actually do it. These are, there are things that we have to consider. Yeah, and I like that idea of not only considering that, but you mentioned training physicians from different areas and, and like maybe providing some of the technology and the tools so that everyone across the world, you know, can contribute to clinical research. You mentioned flexibility, and I think it is important to maybe give the participants as much choice as we can, because even on the same trial in the same country, there may be some participants who want to come in and want to talk to and want to be in a physical location. And then there's some that, you know, they they just don't want to do that. Their lives are busier and they would rather do as much as possible from home. Exactly. That's a very another good point. I was reading an article recently and I, I fully resonate with the idea that we should give um, um, the patient the possibility to choose between a decentralized approach and a conventional arm. And I'm not talking here about the medication. I'm talking about on how to attend the study visits. And another electronic tool that I think once we increase awareness about the clinical trials and when people start to read more and understand about it, another thing that could be done in the next or might be uh, easier to be done in the next decade is online patient recruitment. Once a patient receives a diagnosis and he understands the diagnostic and he's also able to, to go and look for available therapies, alternatives, and then he can take a decision, an informed decision. And he that's also something that I think it's, of course, done at the moment but it can be um, increased in the next decade. Yeah, I agree. And that's exactly right. It's part of giving our patients, no matter where they're located, that choice of participating in a clinical trial, you know, if that's something that would help them or that they're interested in. So you're in the dental medical device area. I think you said you've also worked in drug development as well. So do you still see a lot of differences and kind of the things that we're talking about in adopting technology or access to patients? The moment I joined the industry, of course, I faced a lot of differences. Although the guidelines under which we conduct a clinical trial, the guideline is the same and they all follow GCP. So the good clinical practice is the base for everything that we do in clinical research. Mm-hmm. But a lot of other processes were, were different, starting with, um, with the product itself, that the way you manufacture a medical instrument a device is completely different than the way that you manufacture a drug. Then the type of clinical trial, the phase, I'm now working more on post-market clinical studies than on how I was working before on pre-market clinical trials. So the, the follow-up duration is a little bit shorter. We are working mainly with, um, with dentists and private clinics and universities. Regarding the technology, what you mentioned in your question, yes, there is not such a big need to use so many portals that have to be centralized in one single platform because we don't have so many complex procedures. State of the art um, is that the patient goes to, to a dental clinic and he receives a diagnostic and then he receives a treatment, being it surgical or non-surgical. And then once we have, uh, of course, an ethical approval, we can collect 
study-related data, and um, we don't need to, to go to screening, complex screening procedures. We don't need to collect samples all the time. It very much depends on the study design. Of course, this is not um, 100% applicable in all the cases. Also, from the case report form software, the range of softwares, you can have very rudimentary systems where you can just collect mm-hmm. the data and have uh, the possibility to raise and answer queries. And you can have very complex systems where a central monitor, which I used to have, of course, back in my years in the pharmaceutical industry, where a central monitor can download reports and follow up with the, with the project team worldwide, real time. So, of course, it's from the technology perspective, I, I saw, let's say, decreased use of um of um, softwares in mm-hmm. clinical in clinical studies, um, specifically because also the need is much less. And if we consider that uh, a sample size in, in such a small project can go in between, I don't know, 100 and 200 patients, mm-hmm. uh, you cannot compare to 1,000 or 5,000. But together with the regulatory framework update, which happened uh, in, the last, um, in the last two years, mm-hmm. there is also in the medical device uh, field a more attention paying to quality and to incorporating and applying correctly the technology in a clinical trial setup, which I appreciate very much. And uh, this will be the way to do things going forward. So it's definitely not one size fits all, I think, with technology, right? But but across the board, there are benefits to it. So having the option of having maybe a lighter weight technology, if the trial is like less complex, and then, you know, having other features, if the trial is more complex, like that makes, that makes sense to me. Um, Of course. Do you have anything in the industry that's kind of sparked your inspiration to do things differently? I know you've been in the field for about eight years. So just, you know, thinking about the way you do things now versus before and... Yes, actually, yes, I have. To be fairly honest with you, what really helped me to to look at my own approach in doing things and change it was a relationship with the site. I started to pay more and more attention to the feedback that I received from the site, from the study coordinators, um, from the investigators, and just doing small things and asking them, how would you prefer to do this? When is the right time to contact you? And just paying attention to these small things in the communication, in the relationship that I created with the site helped me a lot to improve my way of doing things. It's not just, you know, when I started in the industry, I was a beginner and I was, if I can say like this, more on the automated pilot. Mm -hmm. I was just, you know, more reactive to the task that I received that I have to answer to this, that I have to solve this query. Whereas now um, I learned a lot how to prioritize. Of course, patient safety was always on the to-do list, but going down on the list, I didn't know how to prioritize. And now I know how to prioritize and I changed my approach from being, let's say, reactive to proactive. Mm-hmm. And I focus on, of course, um, the, the quality of the data is, uh, is crucial for me, but also the relationship with the site. Along the years, I've learned how to navigate through day-to-day issues. Yeah, that's awesome. And especially being able to ease the burden for the sites, I think is really important as well. Um, yes. Yeah. And also, if I, if I can make a parallel, you know, when I started as um, eight years ago as a, as a trial assistant, I think that one of my first projects, if you can imagine, I was following up on a study which had the paper, case reports, form and paper, trial master file. So I think 70, 80% of my time was just used on shipping, collecting documents, archiving documents, following the correct procedure, barcoding. Whereas now with the use of technology, of course, it will benefit immensely that we 
We can just log in a system, mm-hmm. ensure we download the correct report, that everything is dated, everything is saved online. The, the efficacy of the work increased tremendously, and you can mm-hmm. you have more time to focus on what and to 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 spot um, other uh, other things. So of course, it's uh, it's it's more and more challenging, but it's also more and more interesting. I have to say. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm kind of laughing because I remember myself as a CRA, you know, needing to really block time in the day to just find a place to ship out the paper CRFs and, you know, making sure that the carbon copies tore off correctly and all of that. And it's just, when we think about it that way, and I'm glad you brought that, those kind of, kind of like small things up, it's unbelievable how much advancement the industry has already made and continues to make. Um any like any final advice for our audience and how they might you know how they might change their ways or how they can approach the changes in our industry that's a very complex question it really depends on who the audience is as i mentioned at the beginning of the podcast for the sponsors and for the cro's and for the people affiliated to the to the clinical research field who want to navigate easier through this area we really need to work on bringing clinical trials closer to the patients, to the worldwide population, to the family members, because they're also reading about and um, helping maybe sometimes the patient to make a decision. We need to, to make sure that the, the population really understands correctly what a clinical trial is and how it's done and how it's performed. From the site side, I'm a firmly believer that the relationship that you form with the site at the very beginning is really crucial. Mm-hmm. So I think both the monitor and the site being the coordinator or just the nurse or the principal investigator with the whole team, it's very important that both parties can form a, a mutually respectful collaboration and are open to feedback. Like I always said, the investigator is somehow the bonding agent in this three-part relationship, patient, investigator, patient, site, and sponsor. So he's the one who can pass over. He's the one who is seeing the patient. He can transmit the feedback further. And the CRA, as the process is now done, we're now working a lot with the CROs, the CRA is the bonding agent between the site and the sponsor. So it's really, really crucial to maintain a good collaboration. Um, and... Only for this perspective, again, you know, going back to, to our topic of uh, decentralized approach, I don't think that all remote clinical uh, trial approach would be 100% feasible in the future, nor the best approach to follow. There are still meetings, face-to-face meetings that are really crucial to form a relationship and each party to listen to the other. And from the technological perspective, yes, I already see this, an increased attention from the sponsor, from the CROs towards incorporating technology, towards not only incorporating technology, but creating a real ecosystem where all the platforms can come together and uh, integrate study-related information. And um, I think this is what we're going to experience in the next decade. And I find it extremely challenging to have all the systems in one study platform from ECRF, from IVRS, from where is needed, of course, from external vendor portals. I find it extremely um, convenient and, and interesting. So, yeah, um, yeah this, is my, uh, this is my feedback going forward, depending on who is, uh, who is listening to our discussion. <laughs> That's a great summary. And I think it's right as well that, 
you know, technology adds a lot um, to the field, but it, it, it'll it add the most if we listen to the people that are using it and to our participants and how they want to be a part of clinical research. Because, I mean, the outcome of it is, I mean, we're all in this to benefit healthcare and to benefit the participant. So they should absolutely, absolutely. you know, have a, um, a say in, I think, the design of the clinical trial and how the technology works for them. And it might not be the same for every patient. So we really have to build that into like, I guess, the future of clinical research. Thank you very much for for being on today. I think it's been really interesting and you have a really great perspective as well. And I want to just thank our listeners too. Thanks for being with us. And if you're interested in hearing any of our other podcasts, we're on all the major podcast platforms and hope to see you next time. Thank you. hope this episode sparked new ideas and learnings for you today. You're listening to The Spark, your go-to source for powerful ideas about the future of clinical research. This podcast was brought to you by Castor, a leading provider of decentralized and hybrid clinical trial solutions to democratize research. Listen to The Spark on all streaming platforms anytime, anywhere.